0: is coming. You're listening to the Watchers of Westeros.
1: I am the King! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win, or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep.
0: Heard the phrase Lannister always pays his debt.
1: For the night is dark and full of terror. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them.
0: Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Watchers of Westeros. You are in the right place if you're looking for some Game of Thrones talk. And what a week have we got to talk about. What an episode. The episode Home. A lot of stuff happens. A lot of a couple of character deaths. And, uh, and a rarity in Game of Thrones. At least on the show. A, a character came back to almost no one's surprise. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, it was strange. After a, a summer of... Uh, of of uh, not even a summer, a year, a year of buildup to that moment, it was almost like it, it, it almost in a weird sort of way felt anticlimactic. Not because we're not happy to have Jon Snow back, but it was sort of like, oh, yeah, of course, he's back. Uh, you know, it's I'm glad that they got it out of the way after two episodes instead of dragging it out for an entire season or something like that. But it, it, it was one of those things where, like, yes, he's back. But also, we all we all pretty much knew, and we were expecting that. But we'll break that down, plus everything else that happened in this episode. Like I said, a couple of deaths: Roose Bolton gone, Balon Greyjoy back and then gone, and so much else happening. We got a ooh Ned Stark back in a in a flashback, uh, Benjamin Stark back in a flashback, and our first look at leanna stark in a flashback so much so much good stuff and we're gonna get into that here but first introductions are in order if you are new to the show or you've forgotten who we are my name is dominic and joining me as he always does is my good friend and co-host the award-winning kieran duggan i think you're muted i think you need to turn your microphone on <laughs>
1: Oh, no, no, I couldn't hear you. You disappeared. Oh. (laughs) You you started talking about, you you introduced a whole episode, and then you got to just about to introduce me, and then it just went, and I was like, oh, "Oh, he's gone.
0: (laughs) So both of us said that, but we're back now.
1: (laughs) Um, That was just unfortunate timing. Yeah, well,
0: I I just introduced you.
1: Okay, so do do you want to just say that line leading up to it again? Uh,
0: Sure, (laughs) sure. Uh, and joining me, as always, it's my good friend and co host, the award winning Kieran Duggan.
1: Good evening, Game of Thrones fans and Dominic. It's great to be here for this new installment of Game of Thrones, episode two, Home. And I think you, you highlighted the main points of this episode very well. So much happened, really. Oh, didn't yeah. It? And you sent me a message um, <laughs> about at my time it was two, two thirty in the morning <laughs> on Monday. Monday here in Britain. And you said to me, because you know that I usually watch it later in the evening, you said I would get off Facebook, get off Twitter.
0: Yeah, just stay. this
1: is such a good episode. You stay don't want to know away what's from gonna it. happen. <laughs> And, uh, I mean, obviously in those types of situations, it's very difficult to do that, but I managed it. And then what you have got to try and do is contain the hype and excitement mm-hmm. because I was so excited about this episode that I didn't want anything revealed, but I also didn't want to end up being disappointed in case there was just say one good thing, but the rest of the episode was a bit of a bit of a dry one. No, this whole episode was fantastic, oh, yeah. and it and Such it lived up to the hype. So, <laughs> I'm glad you told me that. In hindsight, yeah, uh, it was it was so good. And obviously, from a different perspective, because you obviously watched it when it came out, uh-huh. you must have been taken aback by how how much content was released in this episode. Oh, yeah, every setting you went to, every place in Westeros, something just,
0: important. Happened. Just about, yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, a lot happened. A lot happens. And just in my defense, when I, when we are dealing with the five hour um, time uh, time zone difference here, so I sent that message at like nine nine fifty five p.m. on Sunday night. So pretty much like the second the episode ended, I'm like, I, I gotta warn him because I know I know it doesn't air in the UK until Monday uh, Monday evening. So I'm like, I gotta warn him. You don't want this reveal. Uh, spoiled obviously like i said we knew it was coming we knew Jon snow was going to come back to life i mean we didn't know for sure but we we knew for sure if you know what i mean uh but it's it sort of it's one of those things where you even you, you don't want to see um you don't want to see john snow's eyes open up on any on facebook or something you want to see it well, we in we didn't the know when
1: it was going to happen yes. it, we we knew it was going to happen at yeah. some point we'd speculated mm. it enough but to be fair Based on our last week's roundtable discussion, we predicted this would occur later down the season, yeah, we thought, not on the second episode. Yeah,
0: we we thought next week or the week after, or the week after that at the latest. We weren't expecting it to to this episode to end the way it did. Although I, I do want to point out that if you listened to last week's show, I basically called the way it happened with uh you know it being the last shot of the episode being John taking a, his first breath as a a live man as a as a revived, a revived soul or whatever we're gonna call him. But yeah, just I I I, st- I did kind of feel like a, a when that happened and that's how the episode ended. I kind of felt like a feeling of ah called it called it and and it was one of those things where I wanted to like gloat on social media but i was worried too many people would would completely miss on miss miss the point of what i was saying that like and and think that i i thought i was special for <laughs> for calling um that jon snow came back to life because everybody everybody assumed that would happen but i know i wanted to call i wanted to point out the fact that i called um like basically the sequence of of events and, and the way that the, the way that it was shot and and how the episode would end and how it was edited. Uh but it was still, yeah, that, that that scene was great and so much, yeah, so much happened in this episode. And uh and and I mean I mean I wonder, you know, a lot has been made this season about the fact that we are now uh out of book territory mostly. Uh you know, we're on we're in new ground and I wonder if in a weird sort of way and I don't I don't mean this in a derogatory way or a bad way if the books were kind of holding the show back last season. And I don't mean that in that the books aren't good, they obviously are. Uh they they're great. I've I've um, you yeah, know I haven't read the we neither of us have read uh a song of ice and fire. We have we've we just watched the show but we know the story from the show and the show story is great. And I've read some of uh George R. R Martin's other stuff and I know he's a very very talented writer so the books are great um but I I kind of got the sense last season that they were kind of they they didn't want to they didn't want to move too fast because they were still uh hoping that that Martin could get the winds of winter published before season 6 that he would get the chance to resurrect Jon Snow himself and and maybe reveal uh Jon's parentage himself instead of having it happen on the show first and, and revealing probably not exactly the way it's going to happen in the books. I would assume he'll make it different. Uh, there's a, a, there's a lot of stuff uh, uh, that had to be cut for the TV show because, you know, just streamlining the, the story uh, that I'm sure he'll, he'll take into account when he's writing the scene in the, in, in the novel, whenever that is going whenever that comes out five years from now, <laughs> once the show is over and we know who sits on the iron throne, um, but it, it's, um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah. The, 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 books were kind of holding the show back cause they didn't want to, they didn't want to pass Martin just yet. And then this season when it became clear that he wasn't going to be able to finish the book in time and he basically had to say, all right, go for it. You're, you're on your own. You, basically, you know what I'm planning to do in broad strokes uh, fill it fill it in for yourself. Tell these stories the best you can. I wonder. I I wonder how much input he's had lately because you know in the early seasons we heard a lot about him being involved, but now you know he doesn't write episodes anymore. He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't seem to be as involved with it. He wasn't at Comic Con this year. You know, it, it seems like a situation where uh, maybe he's he, he's trying to. He doesn't want to spoil the way things will happen in the books the way that they're different in the books by talking about them by talking about the show too too much um but also obviously he needs the time to write the books uh and stuff uh but i I, i'd be curious to know have uh benioff and weiss have they read uh what he's got of the winds of winter do do they know the outline for a dream of spring um but anyways all that to say I, i think now that the show doesn't have that Sort of looming specter of the next book, just kind of floating out there in the in, uh, in 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 the ether, and and it can just kind of move the story forward at its own pace. I think we're in for a, a real treat, and you know we get Jon Snow back in the second episode. We've got R- Roose Bolton, Bailon, Greyjoy dead, uh, and then I mean just look at the just look at the preview for next week. <laughs> And we're gonna get it looks like we're gonna get another huge mystery of the series revealed next week in a in a big big way uh but we'll we'll get on to all that but do you ha- uh, do you have any opinion on on whether the books might have been holding the show back not again not in a negative derogatory way but just in a logistics way It's funny
1: you say that because I could actually compare that to the way in which this episode was produced there was a lot of lot of good in this episode and I think this is one of the best episodes of Game of Thrones however there was one storyline which we will talk on a little bit more in depth later on which I felt was still a little bit shoehorned in and that was the story in the Iron Islands Mm. we hadn't come back to the Iron Islands since really I would say the end of Season three. Yes, we had the season four story when Yara went to save Theon, but that was more of a Ramsey Theon story as much as an Iron Island story. Yeah. You know, we didn't actually know what was going on there. And it just felt like that storyline, I know, is in the books and we are still behind, if that makes sense. So mm-hmm. there's still more to be revealed on the show that has already been revealed to readers of the books. So there is a little bit of catch-up there still. And I wonder, in that scenario, whether that, that sort of held the show back a little bit because it seemed that scene seemed to be very rushed. It all happened at once. Sometimes that's a good thing. Other times it's better to maybe draw it out or or maybe have had a scene of Balon and Yara like we did in this episode earlier on last season just to build it up a little bit more. It, it, it seemed a little bit rushed and you do wonder sometimes whether the books can have that impact. On the other hand, of course, we shouldn't necessarily... I'm not saying we are bashing the books, but no, yeah, the, no, the no. books are the, But the books are what dr- drive the content. Yeah. This George R. R. Martin's work has driven the show. It's the reason why it exists in the first place. But because the TV show ha- looks like it's going down a different route to the books, then I do see where you're coming from when you say the content of the books can derail the show's content because it's so heavily it, it wants to be tied to the book's material but now there's nothing there to tie it together it's doing its own thing and it can it can be loosening of the chains sometimes
0: yeah yeah i mean like last season it felt like we spent a lot of time on almost like side missions like with aria and, and and maren trant and, and that sort of stuff and and all that was good i'm not i'm not I'm not criticizing that, although Dorn. another one of those side missions. Yeah, Dorn. <laughs> that that really could have been <laughs> that could have been dealt with in two episodes. I mean, really. Um, but it, it's a
1: uh, the Stannis and um, Bolton stuff. I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah. A lot of that felt like um, you know side stories, and it felt like the the show was kind of going, okay, okay, George, uh, write, 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 write the Winds of Winter. Get that book published. So that next season we can get into the really really good stuff, and uh, you know we'll we'll buy a little time, do some do some character stuff. Again, a lot of this was really interesting. Uh, you know, I loved that we got a chance to understand Stannis a little bit more, and and you know, and all the stuff with Shireen, as as horrifying as that was, was very very interesting. And uh, you know, we we got a lot of good out of that, but it did kind of feel like we were spinning our wheels a lot of the time. And, and so now that the Winds of Winter is delayed again and it's not coming out the the show doesn't have to um you know they they, they have to move forward they there's not enough content left um it, unless they really want to get into some of the side stories uh but if they to continue moving the main story forward which they need to do they they can't sit around and, and wait for george rr R. martin to finish the books and so they have to go beyond them in, in a lot of places and and so now that there isn't that feeling of okay well let's let's let George tell his story the way he wants to first and then we'll adapt that there is a sense of okay now we have to tell this story and it's going to be very very similar uh, a lot of the, the key aspects will be the same the characters um, a lot of their motivations their goals probably their end games uh, a lot of that will be the same but um, you know, George is writing his thing. We're writing our things. We'll, we'll probably they'll probably work together. I'm sure they will. Uh, I'm sure they're going to want as much input as they can get from uh, from Martin to uh, to to steer this story in the right direction. But there isn't that feeling of of you know we have to let him tell the story his way first. It's it's a feeling of okay, we need to tell the story now. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's get into the episode proper. And I mean, let's just start with with the end uh, with the with what goes on at the wall. Uh, And again, this is I would say arguably the most interesting stuff um, is what happens at the wall. And so we get the great scene that we saw in the clip uh, before the season came out of of Davos and the Jon Snow loyalists uh, preparing to fight. Sir Alistair and and Ollie and the other men of the Night's Watch. And then we get that great scene with Ed arriving with the Wildlings and uh Tormund and uh the Giant. Uh One One is his name. The the giant. <laughs> and uh basically they overthrow the the Night's Watch and they put uh Alistair Thorne and Ollie into uh into jail, uh, which was which was a great scene, and I can't wait to see you know, Jon Snow have some kind of confrontation with the two of them. That's gonna be something interesting. Uh but then we see Davos go to Melisandre and ask her if she can resurrect Jon Snow. And he, you know, he points out uh, you know, some of the other miracles that she has uh cre- that she has created with her magics like you know, drinking poison and giving birth to a demon and, and all that. And, and I actually saw somebody pointed out, and this was really interesting and, and kind of plays into why the Balon Greyjoy stuff happened in this episode, is that if you recall, um, Melisandre, uh, you know, with Gendry, she took king's blood and put it in the fire to kill all the false kings. And all of the false kings, you know, uh, Joffrey, Robb, Stannis, Renly, and Balon. Um, they to so that they would all die, and up and and Balon was the last one left. He was the only one that was still alive and kicking. And so it's kind of fitting that while Melisandre is having this crisis of faith, we see evidence of her miracles working. We see the the last the last king falls literally as we'll get to as we'll get to later. So I read that in in a review. I read so many reviews of this episode. I can't remember where that one came from, but uh whoever pointed that out, um kudos to them. Uh but I thought that was really interesting. But uh, as I was saying, Davos goes to Melisandra, asks her for help in resurrecting Jon Snow and she, you know, says You know, I'll give it a try, which is really where we needed Yoda to say something like do or do not. There is no try. You know, she really needed a Yoda at this moment. (laughs) Um, But she uh, she goes through the rituals. And it doesn't look like it's going to work. Everybody leaves except Ghost. And then John wakes up and he's alive. And uh, that's how the episode ends. So like I said, we're starting at the end uh what did you make of the of the resurrection scene i talked about it a little bit off the top but what, it, but what did you think of it
1: uh, i thought it worked very well obviously i had an inkling <laughs> that snow was going to come back by this point just by seeing kit harrington's name pop up here and there the fact well, i've been told
0: up, it popped up in the credits Right, it propped up in the opening credits, and that was sort of the moment I sat up and went, "Oh, I wonder," because he wasn't in the credits last week. He wasn't. Uh, and, I and did even, not notice yeah, that, even though his you know he was there as the corpse. Uh, he was not in the credits, and and he, when he was in the credits this week, I did kind of sit up and go, "Oh, I, I see it. I see it now." Uh, and I think I've mentioned this before, um, but back in the season f- five premiere. Uh, Charles Dance, Tywin Lannister, he was in the credits, he was in the opening credits, and all he was doing was playing his corpse. Uh, so it wasn't beyond the realm of possibility uh, that, you know, maybe I just missed his name in the credits last week or, or something or that they, you know, something in his contract said they could only leave him out of the credits so many weeks or something, you know. Uh, so I, I, you know, but it, so they there was a reason that it could be there without it necessarily meaning resurrection. But that was the moment where I sat up and went, this is the episode. This is it. This is when it's happening.
1: Exactly. And again, as I said, I didn't notice that, but just seeing his name floating out and about, you just got, I, for me, I got that inkling that going into this episode, the big thing that was going to happen. And uh, I actually got told by somebody else to say, Oh, the episode was great, particularly the last five minutes. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God, what is going to happen in this episode? And so once the whole Melisandre stuff happened and Sudevas had the conversation, I was like, he's coming back. There's he's no alive. way they're going to end this episode with him not. On, well, he may still be on the slab, but there's no way he would be still dead. Oh, yeah. And it was proved correct. I, I, I thought it worked very well, though. The whole ritual ceremony, it, it was intense. I mean, even though I had an inkling it was going to happen, my heart was still beating of, is he going to come alive now? Is it going to be at this moment? So, you know, initially I was like, is it going to be whilst Melisandre is doing her chanting? Is it going to be when they all leave apart from Sir Davos? Is he going to turn around and then Jon Snow wakes up? Is it going to be when he shuts the door? And then you're still waiting and waiting. And then it's right at the end that his eyes are open And he lets out that gasp of air. (laughs) It's brilliant. I think it was brilliantly executed. And that's the one scene I've watched back, because I've watched this episode three times now. I still watch that scene and feel tension, just at least in my heart at least, let alone what the characters would be feeling at this point as well. Willing it to happen. Willing for this spell to work and for Jon Snow to be resurrected. So it's certainly impacted on me at an emotional level and then to see Jon Snow come back massive cheer and just I was sitting watching it with my friends as we seem to have sort a little bit of a tradition now and we all jumped up and cheered at the end yes. it was such a great <laughs> scene so that's that's my point of view on it um and the ramifications of, of of Jon Snow coming back remains to be seen and there's a lot that needs to be resolved now you know how are people going to react to Jon Snow coming back, whether that be the wildlings? Um, how's this going to impact on Melisandre, for example? Is she going to have her faith restored? Is she going to now feel she is as powerful as she thought she was? And is that going to make her power crazy? We don't know. Um, what What is it going to mean for the Night's Watch who have survived, like he talks about? Not just the loyalists, but the rebels. So mm-hmm. Sir Alistair Thorn, could we see him finally bite the dust what about ollie (laughs) and what does this mean for his relations with winterfell and and the north i mean these are there are so many questions to answer but right now i feel like next episode is going to be that episode where we kind of deal with Jon snow just reorientating himself back into the life of westeros i don't see any massive Political ramifications. I don't see him suddenly getting on a horse and saying to everyone, "Let's go to Winterfell." It's not going to be as simple as that. It's going to be a lot of adjusting. I mean, I'll ask you that question. What do you think is going to happen next with Jon Snow?
0: Well, I, I think what we're going to deal with next is a, is a couple of uh, is an episode or two dealing with, like you said, the fact that he's alive and and what this means uh for everybody around him in the immediate. You know, obviously. Um, Melisandre, he's, he owes a debt of gratitude to her but she also need we need, we, we needn't forget uh, burned a child alive at the stake last season so there's still you know, she's still not uh, not necessarily a, a good person uh, uh, and of course like you mentioned, Alistair Thorne, Ollie uh, Ed, the Wildlings, everybody now has to deal with the fact that Jon Snow's alive and and it looks like that's what we'll be we'll be dealing with And, and and what this means and and at some point he's going to have to realize he's being released from his uh Night's Watch vows and I think what will cause him to realize this and cause him to eventually march on Winterfell will be when when Sansa and Brienne arrive and Sansa reveals you know what Ramsey put her through. And I, I, I I'll make another prediction since my last one worked out so well. Um, you know, when Sansa arrives and she explains what Ramsey put her through, John will be very, very angry. He will want to attack, but he will feel, um, he will feel that he can't because of his vows. And it will be Sir Davos who points out, uh, that his, you know, his, his watch has ended. He died. He's been released from his vows. He can get involved with the politics of uh, of Westeros again, and we'll wind up with that that battle that we see in the in the trailers between the between the Bolton's and the Wildlings.
1: Let me ask you another question, then Dominic, before sure. we round up the whole Jon Snow stuff. If you can remember in season three when Melisandre met with the brothers of banners, and
0: was it the Forest of Mare? Is that who I'm Forest thinking of? Forest of Mare, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and he talks about the whole resurrection process, and that every time he came back, there was a little bit of him missing each time. What's going to be missing from Jon Snow? Is there going to be, or is there not? Is there going to be anything that's missing with him? Is he just going to come back and be who he was before? And when I say missing, I don't necessarily mean physically. I mean <laughs> mentally.
0: Yeah, that's a good question, and that's something that I'm sure we'll find out. Uh, I, actually, I feel like that might be something that we don't find out immediately. That that's something that's a, a subtle change that will be exposed in a big way. Uh, you know, John has always been very, very honorable. He he's always he's followed in the same footsteps as Ned and and Rob. He's he's very much um, family to them, a- and so what will happen when? he is he's faced in a situation where he has to make a choice between what's honorable and what he wants to do, what is best for the battle, you know, any any something something along those lines. And and maybe that's where we'll see him change a little bit. I I don't know how much he would he would change because part of what makes part of what makes Jon Snow as a character is the fact that he is you know, like Ned and like Rob, you know, honorable to the end. And should, uh, should he change too much then? And maybe this is something the show will address is would bringing him back have been a, a good, good thing a good idea for those around him. That may be something they'll have to grapple with. Maybe that's something that's more, uh, book territory just because there's more time and more space. Um, and the show needs to keep moving. Uh, but it, it, that is something that, that needs, to be, needs to be dealt with
1: well another way to showcase if John has changed or not is looking at the morality of the character and I think the best way that could be conveyed to the audience is the way he reacts to Alistair Ford and Ollie and the rebels because the honorable thing to do may not be to kill them But to maybe let them live out their lives and and just leave, just expel them from the Night's Watch and they go their separate ways. But maybe he wants to enact revenge, for example, on the fact that they all betrayed him and killed him.
0: I could see him. uh, Could you see him killing Alistair Ford? Yes, absolutely. Ollie, not so much.
1: I would agree certainly with the latter, but I, I, I put Ollie in that bracket because he's the only name we really know <laughs> yeah. in the Rebels. But sure. do you see him killing Alistair form?
0: Yes. I, I, I definitely could see that. I could definitely foresee that. I But by that same token, I would almost prefer, I feel like it might be more in character for him to forgive. Or maybe, maybe it isn't. I mean, we did see him kill... Uh last season we saw him behead uh Janos Slint when he was, you know, Alistair's buddy there. Uh when he wasn't uh when he wasn't listening to him, when he wasn't following his orders, when he was going to send him away to another castle. You know, he he beheaded him because he didn't follow his orders. Maybe maybe the change won't be a bad thing. Maybe it will be a good thing. Maybe he'll become more compassionate. I don't know. I I'm, I maybe I'm grasping at straws here. But maybe maybe that's what will happen. Maybe he would, you know, after uh, killing or or after, you know, coming back from the dead, uh, he would let uh, let Sir Alistair live. Maybe even let him retake the black. And, uh, you know, because like as as Santa tells Theon in the episode, you know, once you take the black, all your sins are forgiven.
1: That's a very good point. I'm so intrigued to see what happens next. We've got it. We've got what we wanted. Jon Snow is back. Yeah. But now is the time to deal with the ramifications. That's what we're going to deal with uh, next episode, at least the immediate ramifications. Because uh, based on a little bit of, on the preview we've seen, the way people react to him is not necessarily going to be, oh, Jon, Jon Snow, buddy, you're back. You know, <laughs> Lord Commander, you're back. It's going to be one of, oh, my God a dead guy has just been revived yeah. <laughs> as any natural person would do in a sane way. <laughs> you know, doesn't matter who it is. It could be a best friend in a whole wide world, or your closest relative. But if they're dead and then they come back alive, you're not just going to kind of go back into normal life. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to look, you're going to look at that person a little differently than you did when they were you know, alive before their death. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, there's, there's some really, I mean, yeah, like you said, the preview just looks amazing. Uh, you know, they mentioned the fact that, you know, they, they think he's a God now, uh, which is a very, um, you know, that's got a lot of basis in, in, in myth, whether, whether, I mean, obviously Jesus, um, but also, uh, Hercules, uh, again, uh, you, you get some, uh, some characters like that. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not an unfamiliar mythological concept uh but it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in this in this world uh in the in Westeros in the world of ice and fire uh, i I do want to just go back to the actual resurrection scene and maybe clarify what I was saying at the beginning uh, i I got a, a you know obviously the resurrection scene was very very um it was very powerful because we got that character back, and, and we were dealing with a character who was very unsure of herself, and we dealt. We were dealing with characters who, you know, one by one, gave up on ever seeing John again, and and these were people who really wanted to see him again. With you know, Melisandre, uh, Davos, Ed, uh, Tormund, all of these, all these guys had reasons for wanting him to come back to life, and they basically all gave up on ever seeing him again. You know, their last, um, their last ditch effort, their hail Mary path pass has uh you know had failed and then he he pops up at the, on the table there with his uh, big gasp of uh of breath and, and obviously like i said it seems very very powerful um it, it did feel a little bit in in some ways a little bit like okay we, this was something that just like needed to be done and so they were kind of getting it out of the way and and saving their energy and, and creativity for um bigger more important stuff later on down the se- down the line this season which um i've got no problem with i obviously that's uh that that's pretty that's pretty important uh and, and, but the scene itself i i it, like i said it was really really good really really powerful but maybe not quite as as epic as i imagined it um you know in the 10 months between uh the episode where he died and this episode so uh, I like I didn't I didn't dislike the scene I actually really liked it it just wasn't maybe quite up to what I was hoping for but it sets up some stuff that looks really really amazing. So let's stick with the north and let's go beyond the wall and uh talk about someone we haven't seen in a long time Bran Stark hanging out with uh Max von Cito as the three-eyed raven <laughs> and uh, i i really like i said i read a whole bunch of reviews and they've all kind of blurred together um but i really enjoyed one where they, they pointed out the fact that you know there was a significant uh, change in the look of the three-eyed raven from the guy we saw at the end of season four to max von uh and that the, this reviewer was expecting uh, Max Wensito's character to give Bran the map to Luke Skywalker at some point in, <laughs> in the episode uh, but what's most important is we see them and they've, they've warged into a memory uh, or into the past I should say not so much a memory uh, and it's of Ned, young Ned Stark young Benjamin Stark young Lyanna Stark um, and young Hodor uh, Willis uh, a, a boy who, who, at the time, could actually speak, uh, which is interesting. He could say other things other than Hodor, um,
1: which and another character who we saw was a young Sir Roderick.
0: Yes, that's that's a good point too. Young Sir Roderick and and young, uh, old Nan as well from uh, from those early seasons in Winterfell. So lots of lots of uh, familiar faces, sort of, um, in, in that scene. Uh, but it, it really. I I enjoyed I, I was obviously was very happy to see Br- Bran again uh, it was really great I mean Max Fonsito is an amazing actor uh, and it was quite it, it was really really cool to see all of these uh, all of these things so I, I'm not really complaining uh, but I, I did kind of feel like you know we haven't seen Bran in t- over 10 episodes 11 episodes now I, I feel like we I feel like there should have been a little bit more with him i I feel like they almost should have saved this scene and you know maybe opened next week with it if we're going to have the um you know another flashback uh, of sorts that looks like looks to be the tower of joy you know if we're gonna have that why not why not just just do both of those in one episode because it it did kind of feel like we, we've we been away from Bran for so long, he, he deserved more than just a, a check-in the way that all the other characters get. You know, it felt like um, when he came back, there should have been, it should have been for something really important rather than just a a regular scene in, in an episode. And so I almost feel like they should have um, taken this stuff and taken the stuff next week and, and you know, done two scenes with Bran. Uh, Or three scenes, you know, really, really, really stretch him out over an episode and and really made his return feel important and um, fantastic. And and, uh, there's another word that I'm that momentous, a momentous return for Bran Stark rather than just a just a regular check in. And, and, you know, I, I understand why maybe they wanted to reintroduce Lyanna Stark, you know, give people a week to remember who that was before we. Yeah, you know, before we go to the tower of joy next week um but uh, i i did kind of feel like that this scene should have been with something else to make it a little bit more momentous to celebrate the return of of isaac hempstead right as as bran <laughs> the only
1: issue i i have with kind of what you're saying i i, I agree that we sh- There should have been a bit more about Bran. We we haven't seen him in a very very long time, but the issue is, from the audience's perspective, I don't think we've ever really been overly invested in the character of Bran. More so, the mission that Bran is on. Yeah, if that makes sense. I, the- I feel like the interest of this scene was still not about Bran. It was about the flashback, if that makes sense. You know, we see young Ned, we see young Benjamin, we see Liana, and we know that next week there's going to be another sort of flashback. And it seems as though, although the the writers, and I saw that inside the episode, were talking about the fact that they, they didn't just want to use flashbacks in a very cheesy way or, or, or a way that just seems a little bit shoehorned in they 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 wanted to look at it through the character's perspective a bit like with Cersei's flashback in season 5 sure and that's great but i don't think we learn too too much about brand fantasy and i think that i guess that's kind of what you're talking about there but the issue is if we do that we we need to i feel like they, yeah. I guess the more I talk about it, the more I guess I am starting to agree with you. There should have been more <laughs> about Brand. Yeah, I can't well, believe it as I go through my head. That's the frustrating <laughs> thing about it because I like the scene. The scene oh, yeah. was great. The scene
0: itself was fantastic. I mean, when but, you, you know, when, as you're figuring out what's going on, that but
1: Brand's older. His powers clearly have increased a lot because this is the first time we've actually seen him in a in a in a sort of flashback oh. moment walking as well. Remember, he yeah. can't walk, and he's actually walking in his vision. So that that's obviously an increase uh, in in terms of the the power capacity he has, um, but we also could see the limitations of his power. The fact that Max von Zito's character, the Free Eyed Raven, is still managing Bran. He says, "No, it's time to go now." And he and Bran is saying, "No, I want to I want to stay in this in this past memory or you know past flashback a little longer." Um, and, and, and and the Free Eyed Raven warns Bran. What can happen if you if you do get too invested into the past, and suddenly that becomes the reality? So, I, I liked that whole element of it. Oh yeah. But yeah. yeah. I, think, I I guess I am sort of agreeing with you in the sense that I I, I want to see more of brand the character rather than the subject matter of what he's looking for, i.e. his his motivation, his mission.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I mean the scene itself, it's it's really cool. And and I think it sets up some stuff, uh, but in the episode is rather pointless. I mean, in the episode, in the season, I'm sure there's there's lots of there's lots of implications in this scene um, that will play out over the next eight episodes or so, and and that's fine. They they need to do this kind of groundwork, this this kind of groundwork stuff at the beginning of the season, Uh, but within this episode, looking at this 55 minutes on its own the scene is, is kind of pointless and, and the check and, and the scene feels like it's a check-in with brand as if we haven't seen him since like last season or since last week. Like it's, it hasn't been a long time since we saw him when really it, it's been over a year. It's been, it's been 11, 11 episodes since he last walk it. since we last saw him, I guess not walk in, but be carried into, uh, into the, into that weird Dagobah esque, uh, tree area uh mm. with the three-eyed raven and and so to to i think to make his return a little bit more momentous it would have maybe maybe made more sense to save this for next week or or bump up the tower of joy stuff although i don't think they wanted to do that before Jon Snow came back um although that that could have worked too you never know uh but the the scene itself obviously the most important thing is is we we see Lyanna again that's going to be huge Um, and I've seen some people speculating that, you know, we're going to learn that, you know, (laughs) we may be dealing with Game of Thrones time travel in a much more, um, much more like Doctor Who looper-esque kind of way and that Bran may disrupt the time stream somehow. And the reason Hodor can only say Hodor is because he'll speak to, um, actual he'll speak to brand from now and that will like mess with his Ooh. head. Yeah. I saw, I That's re- intriguing. Th- that was some interesting speculation that I, I saw this, this, this week. And uh, that would explain um, ma- uh, the three eyed Ravens line about, you know, if you stay under, if you stay under the ocean for too long, you'll drown. And, you know, they can kind of show some of the damage that could be done. Um, if you get too involved in these, in these past visions and these memories and, so in that
1: scenario, do you think then that the point I guess they're trying to get at and the reviewer got at is that if you stay in these visions too long, you will be stuck in that reality. Not just in terms of you know the, the way you perceive things, uh, but the fact that you would actually stay in that time period and you couldn't go back to where you were in the present if that makes sense
0: maybe I, I was thinking more you know if if you um if you mess with time you could there are consequences yeah there are consequences for, okay. for messing with time uh what's the what's the the Dumbledore? is it dumbledore or is it hermione who says something like there? are uh, terrible things happen to wizards who mess with who who, uh, who mess with time, Harry. I think that's Hermione. Um, you know, so like I think bad things will happen if you stay in these visions for too long. You know, if you stay past the the um, necessary information. Uh, now, next week looks to be a, maybe a longer vision. You would you would, it's going to be a different sort of vision uh, to be sure. Um, but it, it, you know, maybe we'll start to see some of that being tested. I don't know.
1: So with that in mind, Dominic, mm-hmm. do you think that the words of the Free-Eyed Raven were foreshadowed? Do you think what he talked about I with do. the idea that you know, you, there, there are consequences to messing with time, is that going to come to fruition? Do you think Bran is going to mess up at some point?
0: I, I, I think he has to. I think he has to mess up at some point and he'll do some sort of damage, some sort of irreversible damage. And I think the, the Hodor thing, it would be a, it would be a good sort of a, a good way to do it because that, you know, that would be a, a devis- devastating to brand, devastating to the ov- audience to sort of understand what happened to this guy. Um, and, and so to have that to have that devastating thing, so then he knows when he's dealing with um stuff on a on a bigger scale of uh, stuff that may affect him more directly. Like, say, if he saw his father or his mother or or something like that, uh, you know, he wouldn't accidentally make things worse and, and make it so, you know, he might <laughs> so he doesn't back to the future. it So he doesn't wind up. So he's never born, you know, like that, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, he he doesn't want to start to fade. Um, so I, I, I do think he has to mess up in some way that will be impactful to him and the audience. Um, but maybe not all of that. Uh, important in the grand scheme, so that he knows when he's dealing with things that are more important in the grand scheme of things, he will. Um, can he go? Can them. he go
1: back and kill Ramsey the baby?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why not? That would uh, that would shake things up. That would shake things up. Well, let's. I mean, let's talk about that. We're, we're since we're in the north. Uh, let's talk about Ramsey Bolton, Roose Bolton, Walder Frey, the baby man. What a. I mean, let, I mean, let's just let's start with uh, Ramsey and Roos. Roos Bolton goes out in a very similar fashion to the way Robb Stark went out. I mean, with the you know the dagger and I'm, I'm sure that was intentional. There's no way it wasn't. <laughs> um, but I, I was quite surprised that that we went there this uh, especially this early. But I, I always thought that, you know, Roos had a had a better handle on Ramsey. But I guess in this moment, he showed weakness and, and Ramsey took advantage of it and and he um you know killed his father the same way his father killed rob stark and the the way the scene was done i almost thought it was um Roose that had killed ramsey at first and i thought that would have been i mean that would have been a crazy way for that character to end but you have to think something a little bit more something a little bit more fitting is coming where sansa will kill him or john will kill him or theon will kill him you know, somebody who whom he hurt in a big way will kill him but I have
1: a theory about how Ramsey will will oh. end, but I, I'll, I'll tell you that in a second. Well, Again, well, let's
0: let's get let's get your take on the uh, on this death scene. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I, you know, when you said at the beginning about you know, I don't want to say I told you so. I, I don't want to say I told you so either. <laughs> but I, I, I certainly predicted that that Ramsey was would have going to turn on his family at some point. I, to be fair, I never knew it would be to this extent. I didn't know he would kill his own father. I, I, don't, I thought about it, but I never thought it would come into fruition. Whereas I felt the baby and, and Walter phrase, what, uh, sorry. And Bruce Bolton's wife were definitely in jeopardy. I didn't see that boy lasting for a, for a very long time. And that certainly the, his death was certainly brutal. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed the scene. I mean, It's interesting because the way they were talking throughout that whole scene about the idea of sending troops to Castle Black and and eliminating Jon Snow, you could tell that Roose and Ramsay were on two different sides of the fence there. And and the the line he says to Ramsay, and this is partly linked onto my prediction of what I think is going to happen to Ramsay, um, he says to Ramsay, if you acquire a reputation as a mad dog, You'll be treated as a mad dog, taken round back and slaughtered for pig feed. I think that's a little bit of foreshadow. And I can see Ghost
0: oh. being one <laughs> to,
1: uh, to kill Ramsay. To you know, Ramsey's always had his fascination with his dogs as well. You know, that's what seems to have ripped people apart. How ad- you know, how poetic it would be for Ghost um and, and and the other dire wolves, if, if any are still around to be the one to rip him to shreds.
0: That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. Uh but what what else what was what what else was interesting about that scene uh, was the presence of uh the the man from the Karstarks. I mean we mm. haven't we haven't heard from them uh since uh since Rob uh cut off their their lord's head uh, they left uh, following that little uh, disagreement, shall we say. And now that we, now we see that they're loyal to the Boltons and more disturbingly loyal to Ramsey Bolton, which was uh, quite shocking. I mean, that guy was not surprised at all to see Rusko go, go down. You almost maybe wonder if he knew that was going to happen, if not in that scene, then sooner rather than later. But I, 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 it, it is interesting to see those guys back. And it will be interesting to maybe have to see to see them fighting against the actual Starks uh, with with John and and, um, and Sansa and maybe Bran, maybe Arya. Probably probably not those two, but definitely John and Sansa. So uh, that that'll be interesting. Uh, but then, yeah, I mean, the uh, the scene with the <laughs> poor Walda Frey, I mean she never stood a chance. And, and that was, I mean, everybody who watches the show knew where that scene was heading as he lead, led her into, uh, into the kennel. And then was all like, "Bide to me, release the hounds." <laughs> he channeled his inner Mr. Burns from the Simpsons. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, nice reference. Yeah. And ended, uh, ended De Frey. Um, I mean, that's pretty brutal, not only um, the end of Walder Frey, but also, you know, her newborn child. That was um, pretty disturbing, but, uh, you know, that's that's what you expect from this character. I was almost expecting him to maybe have uh, Roose's corpse there in the kennels and that they would, you know, the last thing she saw was... Her husband laying dead on the ground, and that would have it would have almost been like um, when the reigns of Castamir start to play at the yeah at the red wedding. You know that's how that, ironic that's, that would be as well. Yeah, Seeing it was it
1: was at Walter Frey's twins that that would have occurred. But anyway, yeah. um, I, I tell you what, if that was if that Bruce Portman's body was there, that would have made things ugh, even yeah. more brutal than it already <laughs> was. But then that 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 is sort of Ramsay's thing. Um, he 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 is a bit of a sadist to say the least. Yeah, but I, I did quite like the way that scene played out, in the sense that he said, "I am Lord Bolton." That whole time, she said, "Where's Lord Bolton?" Where you know he's there because yeah. Ramsay is Lord Bolton now. Yeah, but I've got an, an interesting point to raise, just to go back to the Roose thing as well. Is that the Stark actually mentioned and said it's time for new blood in the North? And now initially, I thought that might been talking about getting rid of the Starks but it might also have been in relation to Roose Bolton so mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that the Car Stark was in on, on Ramsay's plot as you said he was hardly surprised um, and as soon as Ramsay killed uh, Roose then you know he talked to the Maester and said you, you treat your lord with respect and call him who he is so he was definitely in on it so I wonder what Ramsay is giving to him in return because obviously Ramsay initially would need support to kill his father.
0: Yeah.
1: Now he's got the <laughs> ploy of just saying you know he was poisoned. I mean that Maester once he sent that message I'm sure he's going to be killed because he doesn't want any witnesses. I I would imagine if I was Ramsay. Yeah. Um so it'll be interesting to see what, how it all plays out now, but what it does mean at the very least is that the inner dynamics of of, of the Bolton family have completely shifted and now you've got this sadist at the helm of the north yeah. um, someone by the way who is not liked by many people so <laughs> i could see a lot of things starting to actually go wrong for ramsay funnily enough now he's got his position of power
0: he's and kind that's of the, the uh, he's kind of the ted cruz of westeros <laughs> yeah nobody really likes him and yet he has all this power
1: well he's like the joffrey isn't he, yeah, he is he, he, he is parallel to that character i just think he's actually smarter than Joffrey was and, and more sadistic actually than Joffrey was if, if that could ever be such a thing mm, yeah. the, f- the other thing I wanted to quickly say about Roose Bolton was it's interesting isn't it that he's obviously killed there by his son and in a strange way not that I don't think it was ever intentional by Ramsay but his son has always been his downfall in a way he's mm. always been the one to kind of sabotage Roose's plans if you think about it, the way that Ramsay treated Theon yep. meant that he didn't have leverage with the with the Iron Islands anymore. Uh you know, the way that Ramsey treated Sansa meant she ran away and escaped. Yeah. And so he didn't you know his, his his hold on the north was weakened even though he beat Stannis Baratheon.
0: Yeah, I mean in a in a really fucked up way. I mean he, he kinda he he loved his son. I mean, he, yeah. he consistently let him get away with all of this stuff, you know, rem- you know like uh, that you're making You're pointing out some really interesting stuff that like he Ramsey really is, you know, his, it's the his, poison. His, yeah. chalice, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He really ruined things for, for Roos. And, and so, and yet Roos never did anything to him. He, he never did, and whether he... Well,
1: well, all he did was reward him. Like, he yeah. naturalized him, and then, in this scene, he says, you'll always be my firstborn. So all of this stuff about competition suddenly went out the window, and yeah. suddenly Ramsay doesn't feel as you know, as threatened. But I think also, from Ramsay's point of view, this is opportunistic, because if he doesn't do it now, there could be an opportunity where Roos does say, right ramsey you're no longer needed but i don't even know if that would happen because like you say i feel like there was that connection there yeah yeah the fact that roost didn't throw ramsey as a baby out for example remember that story oh yeah that's almost a case in point Uh when he said he was tempted to throw throw the baby in the river and then he looked at ramsey and said no you're my son
0: yeah wow yeah no that that's a great point that's a really really great point it's 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 ironic it's ironic uh the 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 only other the same
1: way you could look at the irony of Tyrion and tywin but in different circumstances
0: oh for but sure anyway carry on <laughs> oh for sure yeah well it's a i mean it is kind of a similar circumstance you have a, a son who is um not exactly what the what the father wanted you know in Tyrion, it's the fact that he's a dwarf um not much he could do about that and in Ramsey's and then the case, son becomes
1: disillusioned with the father.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and in Ramsey's case, it's the, it's the fact that he's a bastard, and you have these two very powerful men, and and Tywin and Roose, who who really were affecting change in the in the world. Whether or not that was good change or or bad changes um, depends on your point of view. But it it ultimately ended with the fact that their their son killed them. But I think the difference being that you know Roose did love his son, whereas tywin did not
1: no although the only other parallel you could look at is the ramifications of the death of tywin have led to all sorts of stuff going on in king's landing which i'm sure we'll get on to in a oh, second yeah. <laughs> uh, for the bad i would say for from the lannister's point of view and, and you wonder whether the same will occur with ramsey
0: uh, yeah well i'm, I'm- i mean because no
1: no one can trust this
0: guy no no and And and
1: i I think people will be looking to backstab ramsey as much as he'll look to backstab everyone else because there is no trust
0: there at all and you have to think he'll make some sort of uh some sort of play for winter uh not for winterfell but for castle black or, or he'll do something stupid you know he always had these ideas these grand ideas for what he for how to um Enact um, what his father wanted, and you know, they were not really the tri- more traditional warfare that I think Roose Bolton was into. It was you know it was more like a, you know setting fire to Stannis's tents at night and that sort of thing. And he wanted to march on Castle Black, which I mean, when has that ever happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it's not a you know he, he's bound to have some crazy ideas that are going to get him into more trouble and. You know, for as much damage as he did when Roos was alive, he'll do way more without that uh, figure watching over him and, and, and stopping him from doing stupid things.
1: Well, the, the final thing to touch upon with this is that I'm kind of thinking about this now, but in the trailer, we've seen some visuals of flayed men being burnt alive. Perhaps that makes a bit more sense when we consider who's in charge now. Oh yeah. Perhaps that is sending a warning and it, and it is showing you mess with me this is what's going to happen to
0: you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's uh, let's uh, move on from uh from well actually we've got one more uh, one more story in the north. Uh and and this is another one this is another one where I feel like they maybe could have could have cut this like this maybe could have been something for another episode I, I loved it I, I, I really really did but it, it it felt a little bit out of place given uh everything else that was happening it felt like it was just a little check-in rather than moving the story forward in any in a big way I mean it did for one character but not for the other three that are all there uh and that's um Sansa and Brienne uh talking uh about uh, well Brienne is filling in uh, Sansa when she saw Arya with the Hound, um, and Podrick is there. And, ev- and eventually, um, Theon decides that he's going to uh, he's not going to accompany them to Castle Black. He doesn't want uh, for- forgiveness from Jon. He doesn't want to be killed by Jon. He doesn't want to uh, take the black, and so he decides to go home to the Iron Islands. And we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, what did you think of this scene? I, I, I Like I said, I, I really, I like the scene. I, I thought it was really, really good. Um, but I, I just feel like it maybe should have been in a different episode. Like it, it, it didn't necessarily fit with the flow other than uh, to set up th- uh, the cut to the Iron Islands from Theon saying home.
1: Hmm. Uh, the scene was definitely a check in and Sansa still hasn't really revealed what's happened at Winterfell. We didn't get to see Brienne's reaction to that. It was a little a bit unnecessary apart from looking at where Theon's character is going to progress and now knowing that, of course, he will not be accompanying Sansa, Brienne, and Podrick. So I'll be interested to see how that happens. But I'm going to dispute the theory that Theon is going to the Iron Islands.
0: Oh, where do you think he's I,
1: going? I, I, I think... I, I'm going to reinterpret what I think he means by home. I think he's going to go back to Winterfell Ooh. because really? he think, always considered think- Ned to be his father, to be honest, when he revealed that to uh, to Ramsey. Mm-hmm. And I think he has some unfinished business he wants to deal with there. I yeah. feel like
0: you the show is you making think you
1: think to go that he's going to go back to the Iron Islands, but what's there for him? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's got a father who hates him and loathes him, doesn't treat him as an heir. He doesn't know his father's dead. Uh, Yara tried to save him and he just threw it back in their face. I I don't know what, what, he, what he would be able to do if he went back to the Iron Islands. I could be completely wrong and it could just be as obvious as that he's going back, but I wonder. I, I, like, he didn't I explicitly like your say idea that. better.
0: I, I like your idea better than he's going to the Iron Islands. I, I think, you know, maybe, I, don't, I don't. obviously he's not going to go back to Ramsey. He's not going to go back to... He's not to going being, gonna
1: go to go to the Castle Black. He said as much to, to Sansa.
0: Reek. Yeah, but if he... But he, he, if and he, he said he doesn't he want forgiveness back. either. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe he feels he needs to atone for what he's done, and he's going to go mm. back and basically put on the reek persona and endure Ramsey's abuse until John shows up. And having heard from Sansa that yes, he did horrible things, but he did help her in the end. You know, John will. Forgive him whether Theon wants that or not and then Theon will help uh in the Battle of Winterfell
1: exactly I could see that that would
0: be that would be cool I like that better than he's going back to the Iron islands because like like you said there's really nothing there for him there's reallyd I mean,
1: saw so he would either be killed or thrown in the cell
0: yeah yeah exactly <laughs> exactly although it, it sounds if, mad because he but, but, but maybe if y- if Yara wins the king's moot which or the King's moot uh, how do you pronounce that? I mean, that that I feel like that's a word you can only say if you're British. <laughs> I feel
1: like. Yeah, the, the, the king's mood. The I kings mood. is it's, the way to pronounce. It, it sounds
0: it. it sounds terrible when I say it. Uh, if, if if Yara wins the election, <laughs> but that, that's a um, big if. Though, yeah, that's true. Based
1: on what we've heard in this episode,
0: that is true. That is true. Uh, but it, it if if she were to win, I bet he would have a, a place to go back to uh, because she. But does again, does he know that fam- family? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point
1: you know, to, for, for all intensive purposes, he believes that Baelon Greyjoy is still alive. Still
0: alive. Yeah. The same way that everybody, you know, was still believing John was alive right up until, yeah. until the end when he actually was alive. Oh, well, Roose
1: Bolton and said in this episode and kill the Lord commander. Yeah. You know, they're all talking about plans to kill they're John plan- Snow. <laughs> He's already he dead.
0: They're talking about that. Like, like nobody would ever kill the Lord commander. Oh yeah. Hmm.
1: Only his own men.
0: <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about King's Landing. Um, because this was this was pretty interesting. Um, I mean, we got some stuff with uh, with the with the mountain, aka uh, Sir Robert Strong, just smashing that dude's head. <laughs> so uh, you get the sense that Cersei is is beginning to get some vengeance on some of the people she feels has wrong, have wronged her.
1: Yeah, and all he said was a couple of bad words about her. Goodness yeah. me, so many <laughs> other people. Oof.
0: Yeah. What are they going to get?
1: Yeah. Uh, exactly.
0: Yeah, but we get. But we've learned that. Tommen is not letting Cersei go to Marcella's wedding which is I mean which is not just funeral uh, yeah. <laughs> same thing no um, wow
1: same thing, different day
0: wow what a what a Freudian slip I don't know um <laughs> um uh, no uh, to go to her Earl. I can't believe I said that oh I feel so stupid um, <laughs> You're not editing that out. Keep <laughs> nope, that in. No, <laughs> no, nope, it's it's there, it's there. The whole world can hear what I just said. <laughs> Although, I, I I'm sure there are some people that after my Ted Cruz comment will, will have stopped listening. So, um, <laughs> um, um anyways, uh, where was I? Yes, he won't let uh, he won't let Cersei go to Marcella's funeral, um, partially out of fear. Or mostly, I guess, out of fear that the sparrows would arrest her the second she walked into the sept. Um, Which is a, I I guess, is a valid fear. Although, really, could they arrest her after she? I I mean, I guess they could. They're extremists. Um, But but after that, you know, that horror that she had to endure last season, that that shame. uh, To really. that would be really cruel, uh, to, to if, if that's what happened. Uh, but we get that great scene, uh, between, uh, Jamie and Tommen, but more importantly, between Jamie and the High Sparrow, uh, where he threatens to kill the High Sparrow. Uh, and then all the other Sparrows appear and, and they basically scare him off. And, you know, there is kind of that feeling, and, and this is the feeling you always get with Jamie, that, you know, if he had his right hand, if he had both his 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 hands, he would have won that fight. He would have he would he could have killed the sparrow and uh, high sparrow and gotten out of there no problem. I I really think there was a time when he would have been able to do that. But and I uh, you know this is one of those sort of genius moves is you know you have this character who seems undefeatable, and you you give them that ultimate weakness, so you're always left wondering what would have been, what could have been. And I think, you know, mm. one of the few uh, good moments in, in Doran last season was when uh, Jamie is, is uh, he, when they're in the water gardens and it's after that ridiculous fight. And that guy, the, the um, Doran security guard shows up with his big spear and he says something to the effect of, if you were whole, this would have been a good fight. And, and I kind of get the sense about this scene as well, that if, if Jamie were whole, this would have been a great, a great fight. But there's also, there's also the great line that was in all the trailers when the High Sparrow says to Jamie, you would spill blood in such a holy place. And Jamie says, oh, the gods won't mind. They spill more blood than the rest of us combined. Which was, I mean, what, what a great line. <laughs> that was a, that was this, this was all a great scene. But I, I really enjoyed that. And, and the High Sparrow talking about how they have the power to overthrow an empire and this is something we talked about in our preview show i believe that you know what are their what are their motivations what are the goals of the sparrows and the high sparrow and are they political or are they purely religious and it seems at this point they are it's becoming a little bit more political they want to set up a a a, a theocracy you know where the where the church rules uh which which i which is very interesting. It was, you know, it seems like a lot of threats are converging on the Lannisters at once. You know, you have, you have uh, Dorne and whatever that's going to be this season. You've got the Sparrows. Um, you have to think eventually, Danny will head for Westeros. Probably not this season, but next. Um, and then, who who knows what will happen? Uh, you know, what's going on in the North and and what what all that will mean. Um, but, but, but this is a, this is definitely, it's not a new threat, but the threat is becoming, I think, becoming more and more real. Like it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just these crazy religious cult anymore. Now it's the crazy religious cult that might actually try and seize power.
1: Well, I always feel they have in a way been political opponents to the royalty since the middle of season five. Once they apprehended solorus then Queen Marjorie, and then Cersei. Yeah, you know they're all high-standing officials, and they have power. And we see in this scene Tomlin you know, protests to the High Sparrow and says, "Let my queen go." Let and he says, "Well, there's a time. You know, the, the gods and the king must wait yeah. to hear of Queen Margery's." Uh, well, almost acceptance and and, and uh, you know her revelation and, and that that she is guilty of her charges. You know she has to plead guilty, and it sounds mad, but by having Marjorie and Solaris there, you've always got that political leverage, and you're always going to look at it in a way, in yeah. part from a political perspective. And when he says lines about overthrowing an empire, you know it, it is almost like. He's just goading them. He's waiting for a reaction from yeah. the Royals.
0: So he can.
1: And then once, so he can then pounce. Yeah. I think that's it. Because once the Royals react, and we've seen clips in a trailer of uh, a, quite a massive army that is amassed outside the Septon. Yeah. And you can then, bet you can bet. Then then, 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 then you've got the excuse yeah. to, put, to get the people on side. To make the High Sparrow look like he's the victim, it's it's almost like a Palpatine move in Star Wars, you know. Oh yeah. Uh, with the Jedi, make, Palpatine wants to paint himself as the victim here, when in reality he's been the victor the whole time. And, and I he can see parallels Jedi. between that and the High Sparrow.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh,
1: well, what uh, do you think? What, what do you think about the motives of the High Sparrow and, and, and where this is all going? F- how this is all going to fall out?
0: I, I think i i definitely think they are looking i think you're right i think he's looking at this point the way he's he's tempting and and teasing jamie with this whole you know killing him uh thing and and the fact that he sort of reminds him that they do have this army and so I, I i do think he like you said he's waiting for that moment where he can play the victim and uh turn this around and, and begin uh this war and, and begin and or begin to over to actually overthrow this empire and you know the 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 royalty is not all that well-loved <laughs> you know it's i mean the the ruling class never very rarely is um well know, the only thing was... that's
1: kept the population in check really is fear yeah fear of the power of the royalty as much as you could argue love for it but also as with society like the one that's being presented in game of thrones if you go back to medieval times the, the core constructs of society were centered around the royalty, but mm-hmm. also the church, yeah. and a lot of the laymen. Well, and
0: says, believed it, in said the church, yes. and the God. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Cersei said it's much last season. You know that they were like two pillars of the, you know, the, the two pillars of society: uh, yeah. religion and and the royalty. And, and we never and,
1: seen a conflict like that in Game of Thrones. I don't think to the same level. Yeah. You know, the church against the state.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And and it's a lot easier for the church to, I think, to rally the people to overthrow the state than it is for the state to rally the people to overthrow the church, because it's a lot easier to say, the gods want you to overthrow... Um, overthrow the royalty than it is for the royalty to say we need to overthrow the people who are supposedly the chosen representatives of the gods. You know, it, it it's it makes a lot more sense that it would be the sparrows, you know, leading some sort of attack because these two are essentially, you know, they're kind of in a cold war phase right now where the, the neither side neither side likes each other, but they're they're neither one wants to make the first move yet. And and, and so yeah, so we're going we're going to see and I had, I had another point, but I've, I've forgotten it. So I think I think, uh, I think we'll, we should um, we should move on.
1: Oh, I want to say one oh, more point though about this. Um, in terms of the fallout, were we in, in the scene between Jamie and the High Sparrow, it was quite interesting to look at Jamie proclaiming his sins, and and clearly the High Sparrow did. Did not apprehend him the same way that mm-hmm. he obviously, you know, told the militia to apprehend uh, Cersei. So I guess there's two little points to make of that. You know, one is there a bit of prejudice in terms of who the High Sparrow goes for, or you know, maybe well, it is just because right. it's Jamie Lannister and he he seems to have no massive quarrel with that. Well, um, it, it, but then I've seen some okay, people with that. Yeah,
0: well, I've seen some people su- suggest that maybe it's just the. The sexism of the world, you know that, you know the the women committing these sins. Although uh,
1: Soloris is obviously a man, well, but then he but, has proclaimed himself as gay.
0: Yeah, and and so you know you have these um, not minority groups. With, well, with 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 gay, yes, but not with uh, women. But these these groups that are traditionally um, and incorrectly um, put down by the the hierarchy, the patriarchy. Um, they they it's it's one thing for them to sin, you know. If, if a woman sins or a gay man sins, and it's a big deal. But then you have someone like Jamie Lannister, a straight white man, uh, you know, and he sins. You know, it's it's bad, but yeah, no, that's just how that's how Jamie does Jamie, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I I think it's uh it's definitely prejudice of uh of of that sort of um, of built in built in sexism and, and homophobia and, and all that awful stuff.
1: But but within those sins, obviously there's a big one that has been a that that Jamie omitted to mention. And of course that's <laughs> yeah. his relationship with Cersei. Now, we haven't really talked about it much this season, but I remember talking about it last season based on the conversation between Littlefinger and Olena. You know, these characters know, or some characters know, in, in, particularly in, in the High Order, that Tomlin is illegitimate uh, and is a child of Jamie yeah. and Cersei. Do you wonder whether a catalyst to start this whole thing off could be that is uncovered and Tomlin is either imprisoned or executed?
0: Well, the thing is, that people were always saying that about Joffrey. Like, that was something... Yeah, you know, we needn't forget that that was something that was always whispered about Joffrey. Like it was, it's Tommen's a different
1: type of character. That I feel,
0: mm, yeah. But it, I, I feel he like, seems
1: more innocent. So it sounds mad, but I could see his kind of timid nature just kind of it just happens, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Joffrey, the madman he is, would probably have just said, "Kill them all." Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, but I but I feel like the the people kind of already suspect this and and well there, i guess there's, there's a conversation no, in the
1: episode isn't it about it yeah
0: and there's just no there's just no proof that exists there, there's no there's 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 no i you know probably only little finger and i guess bran um but you know he is way out who knows where um
1: so, so you don't think that'll happen and you don't think that will be
0: well revealed if,
1: if, publicly or there will there won't, there won't be any proof to prove it
0: if if that proof exists, I think that's definitely a card that could be played. Um I, I feel like it will be played. Well, does proof even have to exist? Yeah, that's true.
1: If the high sparrow said it.
0: Well, I mean, maybe that's just it. That that in conjunction in conjunction with some sort of um attack on the sparrows or the high sparrow that, you know, uh, in the in the aftermath of that, when the High Sparrow is not only rallying the sparrows but rallying the people to overthrow the royalty, as say, they attacked me, they attacked, attacked the church, they attacked the gods, and everything that they do is is a disres- disrespect to the gods. Um, case in point, Tom and Baratheon is the son of. Cersei Lannister and Jamie Lannister. He is not. He's not Robert Baratheon's son. He is um, an illegitimate child. He is the the product of incest. All of these all these different things that you know the people already think, uh, and then to have an authority figure like him say it, in conjunction with some sort of attack on the religion, could definitely lead to. Uh, it, I feel like that will. I feel like that's a part to play. I feel like that's a that's a piece uh, or that's a bullet in his chamber that he will eventually fire because um,
1: there are two characters as well to consider who are locked up in the brig marjorie yeah. and loris and we have seen a scene of marjorie talking to the high sparrow on her own
0: yeah you know
1: it sounds mad but she wants to get out of there how is she going to get out of there maybe mm, could feed him some interesting information maybe. if she feels like she's not going to you know, well, yeah, and I mean,
0: I mean, one of the people that knows is Olena, mm-hmm. and maybe you know, Olena and Marjorie seem pretty close. Maybe they, maybe you know, uh, I think Olena would want to prepare Marjorie as best she could for her role as king or as queen. Jeez, I can't speak tonight. Um, <laughs> as as queen and, and uh, you know, with these quote unquote Baratheon, uh children and and so she would give that information up to that that Mm -hmm. you know they are and
1: she's certainly an authority figure
0: oh yeah absolutely absolutely Uh, anyway yeah so let's let's move on to uh, marine where we see a great scene of Tyrion, uh basically letting the dragons uh loose setting the dragons free and that was that was a really great scene culminating in um peter dinklage having that great line of you know next time i have an idea like that punch me in the face (laughs) (laughs) um uh, anytime a character tells another character to punch them in the face that's always that's all that always makes me chuckle um whether it's Tyrion or or sherlock or you know anytime somebody says punch me in the face i always love it um but that was that was a great scene to see him set him free set those dragons free and and it does kind of i feel like it's something we were talking about earlier about the about last season and it kind of spinning its wheels. I mean, you know, we they the ja- dragons were chained up. I guess at the end of season four or beginning of season five. When were the dragons chained up?
1: In the beginning of season four.
0: I would like to okay. see. but but really, what has changed since well, then? Beginning of
1: season five. Carry on.
0: Yeah, some some at some point in there. But really, what has changed since then that necess- necessitates? I mean, other than Danny being gone. But really what necessitates releasing the dragons or what necessitated uh, chaining them up? And I don't mean that in the, you know, just the well the child was burned <laughs> so nonchalantly. Ah, oh, another child was burned. first <laughs> first Shireen and now this. Uh, you know, um but it, <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's alright <laughs> if a dragon does it in your book. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Um but it it's um but it is a situation where where was I, where was where was I going with this uh, I, you know it it does kind of feel like did we really need to have this whole subplot of um Viserion and what whatever the other dragon's name is being chained up? Was that necessary?
1: Well, I think it was because it meant that Danny managed to build a closer tie with one of the dragons, mm. and also there's a lot of speculation about the fact that there may be other characters who may. You know, be uh, connect, may become connected with these dragons in the future. Um, you know, obviously, there's three dragons and there's only one Daenerys, so could there be two other characters that occupy the other two dragons? I don't know. But also, you know, if you've got three dragons flying around, um, you know, you're struggling to control one, for for example, so how are you going to manage it? But, but two, even if you, if you if you do manage it maybe from a story point of view it's like well we've got dragons here i mean who's going to challenge us you know it's kind of taming them putting them out of sight and then it makes things very difficult for danny obviously so it means that the 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 situation the how it is now with the ships all burnt and the slavers bay returning to slavers that can all sort of happen if if you see where i'm coming from
0: yeah yeah i do i I do it's
1: kind of neutralizing the strength of danny
0: that's yeah. That's a good point. That is that that is a good point. So it, it it's, yeah. It, it is a it is a a a, a, a part in of her story. A part of the the story. I I, I get that. It, but it it does kind of feel like. I I don't know. I do, I do kind of wonder if it was necessary to, to 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 really go down this one particular subplot. But we may learn as as the. As the as the episodes progress, that yes, it was, and and I think you you've put out some good reasoning for why it was as well. So,
1: well, what about Tyrion though in this scene? Yeah. I mean, the dragons don't turn on him, and, well, and they talk, he talks a little bit about it earlier of, of the fact that the dragons are smart, are smart, yeah. and and that they were receptive to. Um, oh, who's the who's the female character? The sad who's I. that's it? Yeah, and she said that the dragons never looked to harm her.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That, that that's, that's good
1: Tyrion's built a connection you could argue yeah
0: absolutely i love another great line from from Tyrion. you know i, I am here to help don't eat the help <laughs> 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 so many good lines in that scene i mean and, and that's peter dinklage acting on his own i mean with really nothing else there i mean that is a good actor when you can sell a scene with all cg i mean way mm. to go i mean stellar performance right there uh but yeah he he's he's um he establishes a connection with the dragons, and there is a theory, there's a theory out there that Tyrion is secretly a Targaryen, that Tywin is not his father, and that his father is actually the mm-hmm. Mad King.
1: Wow, that would be interesting.
0: Uh, uh, yeah, and so the implication maybe being that Tyrion would, along with Danny and perhaps Jon or Bran, uh, ride one of the dragons into battle.
1: Oh, and that, that could add some credibility then to Tywin's final statement.
0: You're no son of mine. Yeah, I'll. I, you know, I, I kind of go back and forth on that. Where I, on the one hand, I think that would be cool. Um, but we're already we're already gonna get a reveal that Jon Snow is not his parentage is not who he thought it was. Do we really need a second one of those in Tyrion? Mm. And, and so I. I don't it almost
1: diminish Jon's revelation, yeah. wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. Now I don't, I don't dismiss the fact that Tyrion might ride one of the dragons. I mean, Tyrion is one of the, I mean, you look at the, the main characters on this show. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's John, Danny, Tyrion, the main, I, I feel like the people that are really driving the the main good guys is John, Danny, Tyrion and, and Arya and Bran to a, to lesser extent. So those are the, those are like the main good guys. Um, And and Cersei and Jaime are obviously very important as well and lots of other very important characters, but those are sort of the five main, um, main good guys in in this story. And, and so to have three of them ride a dragon, ride dragons would be huge. And, you know, Bran's got his warging powers and he can do all sorts of stuff. And Arya's got whatever she's got going on. We'll get to that in a second. Um, But, uh, you you know, I I don't necessarily think that Tyrion would, will be a... a secret Targaryen and I, I feel like having Tywin's last words to him be you're no son of mine are more powerful if Tyrion is his actual son than if they are some kind of double meaning I, I feel like they're more powerful they're more heartbreaking if they if, if they are if if Tyrion is biologically his um, but anyways uh, all that all this goes to serve is that it does. That we are setting up some kind of connection between Tyrion and the dragons, and we'll see where that leads us uh, as the seasons progress. Uh, and then uh, let's move on to Bravos, where we uh, see Arya uh, still getting beat up by the Waif, although uh, she seems to have improved a little bit in her uh, daredevil training. Um, she's not quite as useless as she was last week.
1: <laughs> um, I mean, she still took a beating. She, in oh, one. she
0: still took a beating, but she was a little bit more proficient at swinging that thing around, uh, that that stick around. She just couldn't quite find a target. Uh, but yeah, it, it, she still took quite a beating. And un, unlike the 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 Brienne and Sansa stuff, unlike the 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 brand stuff. Even though this was like really just kind of a check in, it because we got basically it's basically just an extension of last week's scene and it's no no longer or no shorter, it, it felt right that this be split up over two episodes, if you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. this particular thing felt like it was something that yeah, okay, this this kind of check in works um better than than or or flows better i should say i don't want to say works better because that makes it sound like the other scenes were bad which they were not at all but it it flows better in the episodes than the other two
1: well Uh, from the audience's perspective as well it has been a week since we've seen the last episode so perhaps that's also reflective of the amount of time it has been for aria since oh absolutely that last interaction
0: yeah for sure for sure uh, but then, uh, Jaqen Jackin Agar appears. Although, uh, lots of people are speculating it's not actually him. Uh, it's probably just the same person, the waif, uh, wearing his face. Agreed. Um, yeah. And, uh, she, he, he finally, uh, allows him, or, she, or he finally allows Arya to, uh, come back with him and tells her that she is no longer a beggar. And, uh, that was a tough scene yeah, for her a, to deal with, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, really. I mean, she was really just laying into the no one stuff there. Uh, what, what did you make of that scene?
1: I really enjoyed it, actually. I agree with you. It, it, it helped It helped advance the storyline, but it didn't feel like it shouldn't have been there. It, it, it did feel right to have this scene here. Mm-hmm. When she was saying, I have no name, it was... Oh god, it was so hard from the audience to suspect it because you wanted her to say that because you knew yeah. it was sort of a double on tr- on on trond- ah there well, how
0: do you say that word double but on on tr- double entendre
1: double entendre there we go yeah, there we
0: go uh,
1: <laughs> yeah you could keep that in as well then seeing as you said whatever comment you said about <laughs> the wedding of um of Marcella get me not being able to pronounce on Tondra. <laughs> um, anyway, so because you wanted her from the audience perspective to to say that she had no name because you knew that it was sort of Jack and you, you, she would be able to go back with Jack and if she said that, but obviously Jack in there is so, is so tempting when you say, you know, if you've been there for weeks on end and you're starving, etc. And he says, I can give you shelter if you tell me your name. I can give you food if you tell me your name. I will give you your eyesight back if I if you tell me your name. And I think it shows how far Arya has come as a result. Because some people will look at that and say, "Oh, it's only been two episodes." Yes, but from the characters' point of view, it's probably been weeks on end, and it's far more difficult to say. And and we see not it,
0: that we see it on Arya, like we see the bruises and and stuff. You you can tell that that time has passed and and it's not been a fun time that's passed
1: no no and you know at the end of this scene after everything she was prepared to go back and be a beggar
0: yeah oh
1: yeah so she didn't think that she was coming back you know this is genuine we as the audience were probably thinking right this is going to move the plot along but from the character's point of view I had no inclination so what did you make of that scene and and you said that you enjoyed it so oh, yeah. what, what were the aspects that you liked about it And 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 what do you think is going to happen next with Wario? Well, I, I,
0: well, one, I, I like that it, it felt like a good progression from last week. I felt like it fit well in this episode, and and, and all that. Um, and and I'm enjoying. I'm curious to see where it goes next. Uh, you know, I liked uh, anytime they bring back Jack and Agar. Um, I think that's great. I, th- I think that those. Uh, I think he's a great character, a great actor. Um, and and uh, I, I wonder. You know. How much is Aria going to get back? Is she going to get her eyesight back we kind of like we assume that that John w- would come back. We assume that she'll get her eyesight back in some- in one way or another, but is that something something else that she's have, she has to earn? How much has she uh actually earned at this point from the faceless man from Jack and Agar? is, is does she have the right to go back and uh, to to get her eyesight back? Or is he simply taking her back and there's, she still has more to learn based on last season. I would say there's still more to learn. Although this season has been moving at a much, much faster pace than last season. So it's hard to base anything on what happened last year.
1: Yeah. It seems as though she's going to be back next episode as well. So this storyline seems to be moving at a very fast rate because of all the characters, uh, Arya's role in, in, in the events of Westeros still remains quite ambiguous, I would say. You yeah. know, we talk about the fact that Jon's got this grand mission of going to Winterfell at some point. Sansa will probably meet up with Jon. Danny will go to Westeros. Um, and Tyrion as well is going to have a connection with the dragons. But what about Arya? I mean, she's still a big player in this game, and yet all we know from her is this will for vengeance But we've seen that her path to vengeance has has put her back a couple of steps. So, what next for Arya?
0: Yeah, this is one of those times where I I wish I had a had a map of uh, of the world of Ice and Fire, and and to sort of see. Do we know how far away somewhere like Braavos is from from Marine from Slavers Bay? Like, could she conceivably also wind up with Danny?
1: It's possible. Although I mean
0: I I feel like that I mean, she would fit in there with with Tyrion and with Danny and 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 you get this kind of interesting hodgepodge of people who don't quite fit in with uh with the world that that they were born into and and so uh I I feel like she would she would work well with Danny. I I feel like Danny might have to um control her control Arya's bloodlust a little bit. Um but you know we saw Tyrion could control Joffrey to an extent uh I'm sure Arya would be much less of a handful than than Joffrey, and and he would have the support of people like Missandei and, and Danny and um Dario and Jorah, probably possibly. Um, but it's convincing,
1: that isn't it? I mean, who does Arya know within that uh, ensemble? I mean, Tyrion knew Varys, or Varys, I should say. Yeah, so yeah. that's a gateway into to mm-hmm. learning about Danny and the fact that obviously he had no one. Could she? No, could she almost but, stumble
0: God. on it by accident? And you know, when she stumbles on it, Tyrion would probably recognize her.
1: Yep, yeah, that's true. And then what's she going to go and say? I'm a Lannister. What? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, she she knows he's a Lannister. I does I mean no,
1: no, but no, but the point is that she has no <laughs> love loss with Lannisters. Does that's she? true.
0: But but you know. Uh, neither does neither does Danny. I mean, she she doesn't love the Lannisters, and he was able to convince convince her. You know, he he made the point. Yeah. He's the greatest greatest Lannister killer of our time. So that is true. So you know, he could easily um, make a similar case to Arya, and you know, and Arya is a, a lot less controlled than Danny. She's kind of a loose cannon, um, but maybe she'd be willing to listen to reason. You know, she's still, after all, she still is Ned Stark's daughter. She would, she had to have learned something from Ned and Catelyn um, about, about that. You know, she, she isn't just a a loose cannon. So I I, I feel, I I think that would be an interesting way for it to go. But yeah, it it does in a time when a lot of the stories are beginning to come together and you can kind of begin to see an end game forming, you know, things are going to go bad in, King's Landing for the Lannisters. Things are going to go bad there and and that will kind of open the door for someone else. Things are bad at the Wall and they need saviors. Um and and you know even even the stuff with um the gray Joys, which we'll get to in a second where we can see how that could play into play into what's going on with Danny and the fact that you know her her entire fleet of ships was burned conveniently at the end of, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of uh, last week's episode so you know the, the, the things are are beginning to you can kind of see how all of these stories that started together and then diverged off are beginning to come back together into uh, you know into the end game and and then there's still Arya, still just off on her own in, in some. In in a in a role that we assume will will play a, will be of will be significant. We know she's one of the characters that that George R R Martin uh, has sort of singled out as being important, uh, and and, uh, and 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 so we need to, at some point she's going to need to get back into this uh, the bigger story and how that happens is like what we'll find.
1: We know that she will not be staying at the House of Black and White. No, beyond it, this. Season. Yeah, it, I, I mean, I, I would even, I'd even hedge my bets and say probably halfway through this season, she may not be there anymore.
0: Oh yeah, I, I, I don't think she's going to stay there long. I think she's going to wind up uh, off on her own, and maybe this season will end with her having somewhere to go or arriving somewhere a little bit more familiar. Killing
1: in Jack and her car. <laughs> you See that?
0: Uh, that would be interesting. I could see that. Sure. To have to kill although someone, although easier said than done,
1: to be honest. I mean, <laughs> he, he's quite an expert in the field,
0: yeah. Well, uh, at the very least, to have to kill someone with his face, that's so, interesting. Well, uh, we'll see, we'll see, and well, let's wrap things up with the Iron Islands. So, we see Balon Greyjoy for the first time <laughs> since season three, uh, one of the, 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 the factions in the War of the Five Kings. The only one at this point now that Stannis is is done that's still fighting in a way, although he's really, you know, any ground that he gained is being lost. And that's what all that exposition dialogue is basically telling us. And uh, Yara is trying to convince him to focus more on the sea, whereas he wants to hold the castles he has in the north. And then he he storms out (laughs) onto a a rickety old walkway. (laughs) Across between these two buildings at the at the pike. Uh and in the dark and the mist and the rain, as he's crossing, his brother Euron, Euron Greyjoy, appears on the other side and throws him off the cliff. (laughs) Throws him off the bridge. And I mean, uh Come on. Bail on Greyjoy. Did you not see The Force Awakens? You don't walk out onto um, skinny little walkways in the, in, when it's dark and misty somewhere. You don't walk out there. Didn't you learn anything from Han Solo? Um, but he's, he's dead. We're, the, the, last of the, the last of the five kings is dead. As I mentioned earlier, timing uh, couldn't be better uh, for Melisandre. You know, the, we, we're seeing evidence of her magics at work. Uh, and then, as his body is, or as um, Balon Greyjoy's body is being fished out of the sea, we see Yara basically saying she will avenge his death. And it's reminded to her that that she's not necessarily going to be the ruler of the Iron Islands, and that they're going to have a king's moot, um, uh, and which is basically an election. And you can assume that Euron Greyjoy is going to to run against her. And uh, again, uh, so many reviews and, and videos and stuff. I saw, <laughs> saw a great, um, I think it was alt shift X who put together a, an analysis of the episode and he was <laughs> trying comparisons, uh, to the, uh, us election that's going on right now. He said, you're on gray joy is, is Donald Trump. Whereas Yara is Hillary Clinton. So, <laughs> uh, some interest, interesting stuff going on there. And then uh, we'll probably see the Kings mood I guess next episode or the week after. Uh, but what did you make of the end of Balon Greyjoy? Uh,
1: I didn't... I, I, the thing is with this death, as he talked about it, I saw it coming a mile away and I was never really Balon Greyjoy's biggest fan. He was very critical of, of Yara in, in this episode. And so it kind of reminded people who hadn't seen him in a while that... This guy is a still a nasty piece of work. I mean, yes, you could argue the fact that he's actually let a, a female character take a leading role in the decision-making shows progress. But on the other hand, the way he treated her would be no different from the way that he treated Fion. So I, I, I feel like fans won't really miss him that much. <laughs> and it makes things interesting because he was quite a a dogged and, and stubborn individual really, wasn't he? If he set his mind to something like taking these lands, then that's what he would do. And of course, Yara rightly expressed anxieties over what those, what the ramifications of those actions could lead to, you know, wh- what does it mean for our home? Could we be under attack? So it almost seemed like fate that at that time he was plucked out and, and thrown overboard you know, the fact that his brother suddenly arrived out of nowhere and we don't know anything about him. You know, suddenly you look at Melisandre's prophecy and you can kind of look at it and think, oh, this this sort of fits into what she was talking about. Clearly there were different circumstances than the fact that she just put his name in the flame. Nonetheless, I'm intrigued to see where this storyline goes now and and now there's a kind of a a, a power struggle that's going to emerge. Uh, based on a decision by the king's moot, it'll be interesting. I mean, how do you think they're going to decide on this? Is it going to be who is the closest relation to Balon Greyjoy? Or is it going to be as simple as saying whoever's a male relative? Because the way he... he, I don't know what the name of the person was who, who was kind of conducting the funeral. But the way he said, oh, maybe you'll be the first woman iron board leader... Yeah, he said that in <laughs> yeah. quite a cynical fashion.
0: It was kind like, of like, the, "Oh, sure, you could lead, and I could fly away on a dragon tomorrow, and then unicorns could be real, and we could all yeah. eat popcorn and candy canes and yada, yada." yada. You know, yeah. So I, you got that impression I, I got as well. It was quite a disdainful
1: too. way. He yeah. wasn't. He didn't really say that with much, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. F- belief behind it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you know, with, uh, we don't, you don't need reminding usually that you know the game of game of thrones is very much a the 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 world is very much male dominated male ruled uh the uh, and, you know women are not treated all that well um case in point last season I'm bowed, I'm bent unbroken um but it, yeah it it definitely it definitely yara is, is is the one who probably should win uh you know even though she's a she's she's she has a lot of the same qualities as as balon but she's um She's kinder. She cares about her family. She cares about Theon, even if she kind of uh, was messing with him the first time. First time they met, uh, I mean, she
1: seems a bit smarter as well. Yeah, she.
0: Oh, yeah, she definitely seems smarter. So she she probably should be the one to rule. Although you know, people said that about Stannis, and then eh, you know, child burning and all that. Um, so, uh, but uh, you get the impression it'll probably be the, be this Euron character. Um, who who showed up mysteriously in this episode, that will, uh, that will rule. And what horrors that could bring is... Uh...
1: I mean, we don't know much about him, but some of the stuff that Balon was saying about the fact what well, he was tied to his ship during a storm and then when he was released, he cut off the tongues of all of the men on board. I mean, yeah. that doesn't speak to the, the kind of ruler that is going to be kind and benevolent and not aggressive. I mean that that seems to be the type of character that uh, many of these Ironborners, well, Ironborners—we I I just made that word <laughs> up—you uh, know the the, the the members of the, the Ironborn family um, seem to adhere to. So, what do you, what do you think is going to happen then? If, if say, this uh, the brother of Balon uh, get it becomes the leader, mm-hmm. who's who's he going to go after? Because we 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 surely we believe he's going to be attacking someone.
0: Well. Uh, yeah attacking they're the... not
1: just going to stay at
0: pike yeah <laughs> well i mean that's the question right um who is I mean, going obviously to you alluded
1: He's... to the fact that they could aid danny at some point but yeah. you still think they've got ambitions in the north first that they want to take care of maybe
0: i don't know i i feel like the north that was balon's thing and i feel like maybe one of euron's things is that he wants to uh look other places he wants to explore other options and you know danny needs ships the, the, the Ironborn have, are, are, are notorious for their fleet uh, and, I, and there's definitely a, it seems like there's a situation there and I think it's, it's either hinted at or is, has maybe it's happened in the books I'm not 100% sure but it, it's definitely seemed to be implied um, that that's where he'll head uh, in, in, in one way or another now what his actual goal is is, is not clear uh is he does he think he's gonna you know overthrow her does he want to aid her that's that's the bigger question because there's there's no doubt in my mind that in in one way or another the the uh, the ironborn are going to aid uh the mother of dragons um it's just how they get there and why they're doing this that that's the bigger question
1: exactly and we'll find out soon enough
0: yeah absolutely so uh, before we go, let's talk briefly about next week. <laughs> because uh this looks awesome. So we've got the we've got the preview for episode three, Oathbreaker.
1: They think you're some kind of god. But the girl is truly no one. She has nothing to fear. Why have you come to Winterfell? I've got a gift for you. If someone is planning on making our losses their gains, I want to
0: hear it. And now it begins.
1: Now it ends.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> and the uh, the synopsis for the episode. Um, Daenerys meets her future. Bran meets the past. Tommen confronts the High Sparrow. Arya trains to be no one. Varys finds an answer. Ramsay gets a gift. And I, I think from that preview, I think your your theory about Theon going back that 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 looks like that might be uh we might be seeing that happen. Um, obviously some interesting stuff with uh with with John and and the reaction to what's going to happen. I'm I'm curious about what answer Var, uh, Varys is going to find. Uh and and um what they mean when they say uh, Daenerys meets her future is is mm-hmm. that in some sort of like um literal like this like she meets some other strong female ruler out there or does she meet like you know one potential future when she sees the um the other um um uh, dothraki widows you know is is it like when like like in the force force awakens when ray is cleaning uh, her scavenge and she looks across the table and she sees that old woman who's cleaning basically the same thing and she sort of sees like that's what her future is going to be if she doesn't get off Jeku. is that kind of what Danny might see or could she see something a little bit more a little bit uh, more exciting uh, but then of course the big thing and you see it in the preview and as mentioned here Bran meets the past uh, looks like looks like we've got Ned Stark back a young Ned Stark and it looks a bit
1: older like, than he was in the last episode.
0: Yes, that's true. It's <laughs> that true. Um, uh, and he, and then, you know, the soldier that he goes to fight says, and, and now it begins. And Ned, we assume says, and now it ends. And I, I have to say, I, it looks like they, they cast someone to look like a young Sean Bean. And then they cast someone to do, a young Sean Bean voice. And those two people are not necessarily the same. Uh, Just the way, just the way the voice comes across. And that might just be trailer editing. It may be a lot better in the episode, but man, Uh, what, what just, just generally, what are you hoping for next week?
1: I'm looking forward, of course, to the, to the Jon Snow stuff. That's, that's going to be the big thing that everyone's going to talk about. But I'm, I'm equally curious to know what's, Going to happen in King's Landing. The idea of Tomlin confronting the High Sparrow could be very interesting, and I think that could spark something. i Yeah, you know, I, I really want to see what goes down in King's Landing. That that story is beginning to heat up, and I want to see a bit more of Robert Strong. We, you know, we saw him, you know, pretty much bash someone's head in by yeah. pushing him <laughs> against the wall, so we know what he's capable of. Um, and, and, we, and you saw the fear in the eyes of the sparrows when he, he walked down those stairs and oh, then when yeah. Cersei went back up they all went <laughs> 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 so yeah that's that's from my point of view what about you what's what's the thing that you're most looking forward to seeing
0: well I'm looking forward to seeing uh Ned Stark again even if it is the young younger youngish mm. uh Ned Stark it's not Sean Bean I kind of wish they had a just brought Sean Bean back and kind of done him up in some makeup to look, make him look younger, but that probably wouldn't have made sense. You know, if it was, it's this is supposed to be like 50 and 20 years uh, prior to the events of the first season. So, you yeah. know, sadly,
1: I don't think it's quite like, you know, if Ian, McD- <laughs> Ian McDermid, when obviously he was yeah. the emperor <laughs> in Return of the Jedi, he was actually a young actor. Sadly, yeah. uh, Sean Bean has, has aged.
0: Yeah. Um, but so I, I'm really looking forward to that. And of course the, the John stuff and, I'm curious to see what's going on with Ramsey. <laughs> I'm really curious to see what that's gonna be. I like your uh, your Theon theory, and it looks like we might see that play out. And uh Varus finds an answer. I that that that's not in the preview, uh in the, the video preview. It's just in the um little synopsis. Um but that that's intriguing. What what does you know anytime Varus finds something out, it's it's probably pretty important. And, and now, as I'm saying, this is probably going to be who's behind the Sons of the Harpy, which that could be huge, or it could be could be nothing. You never know. Uh, and, of course, the John yeah,
1: stuff. Yeah, I mean, does he find an answer to a riddle or a maths question? We yeah. Don't
0: know, he? <laughs> yeah, he gets called up to the board and he has to answer the math question. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the John stuff. And what's interesting about the little, the, the little written synopsis that we got is that it was released prior to this episode airing, the uh, home, the one we were talking about. So there's no mention of Jon Snow. They, could, they had to leave out one of the most important aspects of the episode to avoid spoiling it. Uh, but yeah, so it looks like next week with Oathbreaker, things are going, going to get very interesting. And with that, I think we'll wrap things up for this week. What an episode. What a fun episode to talk about. And what a fun uh, fun podcast to record. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed recording it uh towards talking about the episode homes season six episode two of game of thrones and as i'm l- l- just continuing the thought on Oathbreaker, we were talking about you know john snow and his vows to the night's watch well and when he might break those and how well maybe he maybe he's the oath that's being referred to in the title Maybe that. Maybe we're getting that sooner. I mean, everything we everything is happening sooner than we expected. So that would be uh, no surprise. Uh, but before we go, just time for final thoughts and score out of ten on home. Kieran, final thoughts. Score out of ten.
1: Final thoughts. A great, great episode of Game of Thrones. I think this is one of my favorites of the series. Let alone a season. Oh, there's only been two episodes this season, so it's not difficult really to match them up <laughs> together. The, it's
0: one of the two best episodes of season six.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. For uh, the second episode of a season, it doesn't get much better. So for me, the rating's got to be ten out of ten. I mean, the the shock factor was there. Roose's death, Balon's maybe not so much, but Jon Snow <laughs> coming back was great as well. That's what we that's what we've been building up to this whole summer. We finally get it. And we've got some more tension being built at uh, you know, a political level between uh, Jamie Lannister, the High Sparrows, that's the Lannisters, and the Faith Militants. Brian coming back was great. I know we t- touched about the fact there were some flaws with uh, the way it was presented, but the scene was great itself and it now opens up the prospect for more flashbacks. Aka, what we're going to probably see next episode, <laughs> and the Arya stuff was great as well. As we touched upon it, it's good to see that her story is beginning to advance, and I feel like there's going to be a lot of payoff to that very soon. We don't know what that's going to entail, but I can see there being payoff. Uh, and and just briefly on the Jon Snow scene, I just loved the way it was shot in the end. The the the, the, the feelings I got from that were one was one of intensity. I, I- I was so empathetic towards Sir Davos in that scene. I was, you know, Sir Davos really wanted him back. We all really wanted him back, and we got him back in the end. So it was a great payoff. So it's got to be ten out of ten.
0: All right, yeah, it was definitely a, a solid episode. A really, really well—not a solid episode. A really, really good episode. Uh, so great to have John back, and uh, you know that that was a. It was a short, short-lived uh, death, although it felt long because. You know, the ten months in between. I saw some people suggest maybe it would have it would have been better to have him die this season and, and then be resurrected a few episodes later. I don't know. I, I you know, uh, for any any qualms I may have had with with that scene in particular not being epic enough, um, I, I, I do feel like it was portrayed very well and, and for all the reasons that you uh, you listed, it's it's still a, a great scene. Um, and, and still done really well it was nice to nice to get Jon snow back like I, like I said at the beginning I predicted how uh, how the episode would end how it would happen uh, which was which was uh fun and uh, and yeah so much else good good stuff going on I, I actually enjoyed seeing the gray joys again that was something that you know I had been a little bit uh you know perplexed as to why that storyline had been, basically been dropped and I'd been hoping that it would be brought back and, and finished given some sort of ending and it looks like it's gonna actually play into events future events in in some uh in, in some significant way so I I'm excited about that and of course Bruce Bolton finally dead after uh, stabbing rob Stark uh I would say he got what he deserved if it weren't for the fact that Ramsay Bolton is now in control of the North end that's not a good thing <laughs> at all It's funny though
1: isn't it it's almost like the game of thrones writers gave us something we wanted but then gave us something that we didn't want as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: As a habit of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, uh, overall, I'm going to give this one a 9.5, a nine and a half, not quite a 10 for some of the, some of the reasons we discussed, Uh, but definitely a very, very, very good episode. Uh, uh, Yeah, I'd agree. I'd put it definitely up in, in, in the, uh, in in the upper echelon of, of Game of Thrones episodes. Very, very good. Uh, 9.5 out of 10. Uh, so we'll be back next week to discuss the episode Oathbreaker. Cannot wait to uh, to talk about that. Uh, cannot wait to see that episode as well. Just see what uh, whatever what what's going to happen. Like we we played the preview, we talked about the synopsis. There's looks like some big things are in store. Uh, make sure to follow us on social media. Uh, just search for the Watcher, Watchers of Rest. Let me say that again search for the watchers of westeros on facebook twitter uh itunes uh that way you'll never miss an episode or an update from us uh you can follow me personally i'm at dominic j25 and kieran is at c Duggan six uh kieran do you want to let folks know what's coming up on expression fm
1: yes my weekly show which is on every tuesday from 12 p.m until 2 p.m gt GMT time, I should say, not GTM time. I've neither of, neither of us
0: can talk, talk at the end of the episode. We've been talking for two hours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, over our, two hours, two and a half yeah. hours. Well, oh, the at least episode, that's how long the call's been. Yeah, the episode's uh, two hours.
1: <laughs> but, um, yeah, if you, so there, there, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, see, see, we've,
0: <laughs> we've lost it.
1: We've lost it completely. So, my show's on 12 till 2 p.m gmt time in britain every single tuesday and it's just a typical daytime radio show where i play contemporary music i've got some great features including throwback tributes where i look back at songs from the art from a deceased artist like prince or david bowie and play some of their songs in tribute Uh, i've also got one called uh, charts on campus where i look at some of the top singles in, in the in the national charts as well as the student radio charts play some of those songs etc etc so it's a kind of music based show if that entices you then you can tune in by going to our link our website www.expression.fm you can follow us on twitter our twitter handle is at expression fm or you can like us on facebook our facebook page is www.facebook.com slash expression fm so that's that and dominic over to you with the swu yes
0: yes and I, you can also check out my other podcast the star wars underworld podcast uh, those are recorded live each and every thursday night at 9 p.m eastern on channel 1138.com and then released on itunes the following day pretty much immediately after the uh the live show ends so you can listen to it at work or on your way to work or instead of paying attention in class uh, however you listen to podcasts however you're listening to this one you can listen to it the same way uh so just head over to iTunes and subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld podcast feed over there that's where you'll get the Star Wars Underworld the main show that's talking about the week's news uh You'll get Live from Lothal, which is our award-winning, as you heard may have heard last week. Sadly, none of the shows won an award during this episode uh, this week. But uh, last week, we, we did pick up the Star Wars Podcast Award for um, Best TV Review Show for our Live from Lothal show, uh, uh, which Kieran has been on many episodes of. So you can check those out uh, in the iTunes feed. And you also get our other show, The Clone Wars Strikes Back, which is Kieran and I discussing uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars, that uh, that animated series that ran for many years, and we we very much enjoyed and and still enjoy talking about. So that's three shows for the price of one, and that price is absolutely free. Uh, and if you're at at iTunes, uh, be sure to uh, subscribe and download this show as well. Well, that'll do it for this week. Be sure to tune in next week. Like I said, we'll be talking Oathbreaker so much i just can't wait i'm so excited this season is off to such a great start and i just look forward to every episode uh so much and i look forward to breaking them down with everybody immediately following so that'll do it for i guess for for kieran and and nobody else because it's just you and i Hmm. i don't know i always forget how to end the show thank you for listening everybody we'll see you next week good night It's a wrap.
1: It's a wrap.